Morning, Saints. As you all know, I like to start with something light, which is really kind of risky because if you, if you don't like the joke, you'll still throw stuff at me. But um, there's these three kids. Um, you know how kids are, they talk about their parents in different ways. It was this time of the year, and they were talking about their Christmas coming up and some of the stuff they were going to get, and ended up talking about how much money their parents make. And the one kid's father was a lawyer, and he said, my dad just goes to court for a couple hours, and he'll come home with, you know, $1,500. He was bragging to the other two kids. The other kid's... Uh, the other kid was a, one of the other children, his dad was a doctor. He says, well, my dad can do a minor operation. I might only take an hour. And he'll come home with two, three thousand dollars. So the third kid, his dad was a preacher. And he says, well, says, my dad preaches on Sunday morning for 20 minutes or a half hour. He says, it takes four guys to collect all the money, haul it off. (laughs) That's the best I can do this morning. (laughs) We're going to pray here in a minute, but my assignment today is to talk to you about the words um, that we use. We throw around all kinds of words. Um, and don't think much of it. But what we say is very important. And you'll begin to see that as we get into this. I preached a message similar to this a couple years ago. And for some reason he wants to do it. This ain't the same message, but it's similar to the one I preached a few years ago. And I'm sure you don't remember that. (laughs) But um, it is so important... um, some of the things that we say, and I'm living proof of that. Um, I said the wrong things for many years, um, not knowing that it made any difference. And a lot of very good people do the same thing still today. So I just called it proper proclamation. Um, That's just the term. So um, let's have a prayer and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for this wonderful time of the year as we celebrate the birth of Christ. What king is born in a manger except our humble Savior, who is all-powerful, our Redeemer, our Healer, our all in all? So, Father, we thank you for this for not only for Jesus, but for this season and for this country that we can celebrate freely without worrying about being shot at or put in jail or something like that. So we give you glory and praise and honor for that. And we invite you once again, Holy Spirit, as has already been done, to come and minister the word to us. We don't want to hear from Brother Warren. We want to hear from the spirit of truth. And you're the one that inspired the word. So we're asking you to come and minister it to us. Um, enlighten us. 
uh, uh, that revelation knowledge would flow, understanding of some of these things, Lord, that will help us in our walk with you. We want to be changed by your word because we know it's quick and powerful and alive. It'd be more like Jesus when we leave than when we were when we came in. And so we give you all the glory and praise and honor for that now before we begin. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to just start with a statement. If you're um, born again this morning, uh, you are royalty. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're royalty, if you look like royalty, the fact is you are royalty. See, we are not what somebody says we are. We're not even what we think we are sometimes. We are what the Bible says we are. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 So we're going to start in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. It says this. <clears throat> Do I got that right? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I don't think so. It's talking to Jewish believers. Um, I got the wrong scripture there. I'm sorry. We've been running around like a whirlwind. And... Uh, I got the wrong one there. I'm sorry. Anyway, he was talking to Jewish believers. He was calling them royalty. And uh, then in Romans eleven seventeen, that's where we get around to us. Romans eleven seventeen. And if some of the branches, talking about the Jewish people, were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them because a, you, were a, you were a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So that's talking about us being grafted in. Uh, the scripture that I don't have there, it was talking about his people being royalty. The Jewish people. He was talking to Jewish believers. And now he's talking to us who were grafted in to that same root as they are. And then... Uh, these are just foundational scriptures, things that we already know that will lay a foundation for what God wants to say. Galatians 4, 4 to 7, it says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we've been grafted in, we've been adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. So now you're a son or a daughter and a joint heir with God. Last time I preached, we talked a little bit about uh, being an heir. And because we are who we are, by God's grace, uh, you know, the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. Uh, we are royalty. Um, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's also our Redeemer and our Savior and all these things that we talk about. But he's also our big brother, our older brother, 
finally somebody that's older than me. So because we are who we are, what we say as royalty is important. You know, when we say something, it carries some weight. Not because of who we are in the natural, but because who we are in Christ Jesus. Because we are part of his family, part of God's family. We've been grafted in, adopted. And so the things that we say, the things that we announce, so to speak, the things that we proclaim, um, these words are very important. And Jesus is our example um, in everything. Would you agree with that? Amen? Somebody. Amen. Jesus, our example, he ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit while he was on earth. Um, Jesus would always proclaim the word of God or something that agreed with the word of God. He never would say anything contrary to it. Jesus and the word are one. It probably was almost impossible for him to do that, almost, anyway. But he was always careful to... Uh, say the word or to say something that agreed with the word. And our goal in life is to be as much like Jesus as we can be. Amen? Amen. We all want to be, you know, he was perfect and we know that we're not, but we want to get as close as we can get on this side of heaven. And so we should be, uh, be doing the same kinds of things that Jesus did. Um, you know, proclaiming the same kinds of things that he proclaimed if we want the same results he had. There's another good scripture in uh, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful in and of itself. This right here is living and powerful. It's alive. It's not just another good book like Hemingway. This is a real thing. This is God's word. It's alive and quick. Hallelujah. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the joints and uh, even to the division of soul and spirit and to the joints and marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's a lot in that scripture right there. That's a whole sermon right there. The word is living. It's piercing to the division of soul and spirit. It means it's powerful and active. It's operative and effective, the Word of God is. The thing, of it, thing is, the Word of God is, uh, this is kind of a weird comparison, but it's like your push lawnmower. That lawnmower will cut the grass. If it'll start, it'll cut the grass, if you push it. But if it's just sitting there running, it's not going to cut any grass, except what's right underneath it. Amen? You have to push it. You have to do something with it. And the Word of God is the same way. It's there. It's alive and active. But it doesn't do me any good sitting on my nightstand. I have to use it. Amen? I have to believe it and confess it and put it to work, so to speak, in my life if I want to see results. It says it's piercing. It reaches through and penetrates of the joint and marrow, you know, the example of how it can get inside of you. It pierces things. And it says it's a discerner 
of the thoughts of the heart, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'm going to say something that you might not have heard before, but your heart, talking about your spirit, man, has a mind, okay? And that's what this is talking about. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, the mind of your heart. Not this one that has to be renewed every day, but the one in your heart that is perfect, the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of that. Uh, it separates your intellect, this one, from the mind of your heart. Your intellect wants to follow your five senses. Your five senses tell you, you know, you hit your thumb with a hammer, that hurts. And it, it throbs, and so on and so forth. But the scripture says, my thumb is healed. <laughs> so, who's right? My thumb is throbbing, the scripture says I'm healed, and my body says my thumb is swelling up, it hurts. There's all kinds of testimonies of people grabbing somebody's finger and seeing it just disappear and these kinds of things. God does that stuff. But most of the time, healing is a process, and we have to stand on the word, and so on and so forth. We'll get into that a little bit more as we get going here. Um, but the thoughts and intents of the heart are different than that. They don't, they don't go along with your five senses at all. They just agree with the Word of God. And that's what we need to do. When we get in a situation that's undesirable, I'm getting way ahead of myself now, but, you know, I better just wait till we get there. I'll confuse you. <clears throat> and in John 8:22, it says this, this is a scripture we have in our newsletter, those of you that get that. It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will make you free. And that's what happened to me in this area of words. Because I was saying all the wrong things all the time. And when you do that, you reinforce the problem instead of the promise. Amen? Amen. I hope you're getting this. <clears throat> Many good people, so proclamation, saying, saying these things can be a real blessing to us or it can be a real problem for us. For me, it was a real problem because I was always saying the wrong thing. You know, I was agreeing with my five senses all the time. It doesn't mean that you deny the symptoms but it means that you talk to them, you speak to the infirmity with the Word of God, like Jesus did. So proclamation can be a problem if you do like I used to do and continually reinforce the problem. Many good people just uh, continually agree with their five senses. Um, you know, one time when I was in Bible school here, we were broke. I mean, flat broke. And I'm telling God, I got no money at all. How am I going to, you know, pay the rent? And we were managers of the trailer court over here, so we didn't have to pay any rent, but we still had bills. You have electric bill and water bill and 
sewer bills and all that kind of stuff, pad rent, and these kinds of things. So we didn't have to pay pad rent because I was the manager, but we had to pay all these other bills and cars, and these kinds of things. So I'm whining to God that I got no money, Lord. I says, I need more money. And he said, no, you don't need more money. I says, yes, I do. I've got all these things. I'm writing them down. He says, you don't need more money. You need more faith. See, if I have faith, I can get anything that I need. Because everything I need is already here in the spirit realm. And he gave us a measure of whose faith? His faith. So if I exercise that faith, here's another thing. You can have a lot of faith, but if you don't use it, sometimes people think that I have a lot of faith. I'm just saying that's what people think. I have the, that's not the way it is. I just use what I have. You just have to use it. You have to put the word to work for you, so to speak. You can't just, it's not going to do anything sitting on a nightstand. <clears throat> we need to understand how important it is what we say. So there was one example, you know, where God said, you don't need more money, you just need more faith. And that was one example when I was in Bible school. Now we're in the flu season, this time of year, and... You know, people will say, yes, yeah, the flu season, I get the flu about this time of the year. Every year, it's supposed to be really bad this year. I'm going to be real sick, you'll see. And guess what? They get real sick and we all see it. You know, you can't say those kinds of things because you're reinforcing the problem. You know, continually proclaiming the problem reinforces it, as I said. We need to understand how important the words that we say are because we are part of the royal family now. We are part of the royal family. We don't feel like royalty. We might not look like royalty, but we're part of the royal family nonetheless. And so when we say something, it carries some weight because of what Christ did in our lives. Not because of who we are in the natural, but because of who we are in Him. Okay? Praise God. For example, if I were to say, uh, words will paint a picture. If I were to, were to say the word dog, you would think of a dog that you had in the past or a dog that a friend has if you don't have a dog or something like that. You would have this picture, this image in your mind. If I would say big black dog, many of you would be thinking of a Labrador or a dog like that, a bigger dog. They paint a picture, in your, in, an image in your mind. And so there are also containers. Um, words are containers. They will either contain faith or they will contain unbelief. So when we speak them, as a member of the royal family that carries weight, if we're speaking doubt and unbelief, guess what? That's what we're going to end up with. Here's a good scripture that reinforces that. It's Proverbs 18. You could all probably quote this to me. 
Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, death, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Very powerful statement. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you will get the reward of what you say. Literally, as your mouth speaks and you proclaim out of the abundance of your heart um, what you believe, it'll either be life or death. So it's very important what you put in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if all you've got in your heart is the days of our lives from TV or some kind of junk, you know, that's the only thing that's going to come out of there. So it's important to put the Word of God in our heart of hearts. And to do that, we need to meditate on the Word of God. It's different than having it into your intellect. It needs to be in the mind of your heart. And it gets that way by meditating on it. And that's something that um, none of us do enough of. I shouldn't say that as a blanket statement. I don't do enough of that for sure. And most people that I know don't do enough of that. They read the Word all the time, but they don't meditate on it. Taking a scripture and just chewing on it, going over and over it until it gets down on the inside of you. Until you see an image of yourself healed if you're sick or whatever. Or you see that rent paid, whatever the case might be. We eat the fruit of what we are proclaiming, what we are saying. Today I'm living what I was proclaiming for you know, the last few years. And what I say today will affect the future. Now, you might not think that's true, but it is. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, it's, what you're saying consistently, if you're consistently saying that you're sick, you're always going to be sick. If you don't believe that God can fix it, he'll never fix it. <clears throat> James chapter 3. Let's go there. This is talking about the tongue. And we're going to begin uh, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, talking about what we say, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. That's what Jesus did. He didn't stumble in word. And he was a perfect man. Perfect means complete. It doesn't mean that you and I are going to be perfect like Jesus. It means we would be a complete man. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. He's giving us an illustration here. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, whatever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, the tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body. That means it stains it. 
It disgraces it and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Very strong words. The course of nature there is talking about, um, you know, it could be a generational thing. For every kind of beast and birds, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So those are very strong words. Our tongue can uh, stain us and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are royalty. But we can be stained by that little member, our tongue, by the things that we say. We can be disgraced by it. <clears throat> the proclamation you make can affect um, every area of your body. You might not think so, but it, if, it can affect your body. It's what talking about that here. It can affect your body. So when we're sick, we have to make the right um, proclamations rather than saying how sick we are. So what do we do? We can't tame the tongue, the Bible says. And we can see how important the words are that we say. So what do we do about this? Well, the Holy Spirit, we can't tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can tame the tongue. Amen? So if we're walking in the Spirit, like Jesus did, you know, he was hearing from the Father. He had that intimate relationship with him. He didn't do anything or say anything even unless he saw the Father doing it or heard him. And that's where we want to get to. He was doing that as a man with a physical body. Walking in the power of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. So it's possible for us to do that. I believe. So that, it, and he never messed up. So if we can learn to walk in the Spirit as close the way he did, uh, we'll be able to tame that tongue. Uh, you've heard me say this a lot of times. What, what can we do, you know, if we're sick or we don't have enough money or what, whatever the case might be? Those are just examples. Um, you've heard me say this a lot of times. Pray the promise and not the problem. You know, it's not wrong to pray your problem, but God already knows your problem, okay? He knows all things. So when you have a situation that's undesirable, pray the promise into your situation. Um, you know, if you just lost your job or something like that, um, there's all kinds of ways of handling that. And, uh, you know, we lost our house last year, as an example. For nine months, we were homeless, living with friends. Uh, thank God for friends, amen? I have one. And they took us in and let us live there for nine whole months. And nobody thought it would be nine months, but it was. And, uh, you know, just a tremendous blessing to us. Um, but during that time, it would have been real easy to get discouraged. I'm on a computer more than I have been my whole life. I don't even like computers. I use them for target practice. But 
you know, you go on there, and I had all uh, different companies sending me stuff. <laughs> Hours a day looking on there. We, I don't know how many houses we looked at, I can't tell you. But we had a criteria we had to meet. It had to be certain. I didn't want the taxes to be this high. I wanted a little land with it, this and that, and the other thing. Had to have three bedrooms and two bathrooms and all that. So a lot of them fit that criteria, but they were too much money or something was a mess. Finally found one. But the point is I could have got discouraged in that time. And you can have doubtful thought. Um, here's something that you might not know. You can have a doubtful thought in your head. You're praying for something and still receive it. Okay? Some people think because they have a doubtful thought, now they messed up the whole thing. But God looks at the heart, the mind of the heart, not this thing. He goes right by all that and looks in your heart. And when he looks in your heart and he sees faith there for what you're praying for, that's the title deed. Look that up. That's what it says. It's the proof of ownership that that's yours. And I had to encourage myself in the Word of God several times that everything would fall through and fall through and fall through. But God was very gracious to us in uh, encouraging us to keep going and keep saying the right things. Every day I was thanking him for our new place. I told him, I thought, I don't know even what state it's in, but I'm just thanking you. I know you've got one for us somewhere. And so you have to keep that kind of an attitude, and it's not easy sometimes. You know, Paul talks about being encouraged by the Lord. The Lord actually appeared to him to encourage him a few times. He went through a lot. This is just being homeless for a while. You know, I was never shipwrecked. I was never whipped and all these things like Paul was. And he had a lot of things that to discourage him from doing what he was doing. Hallelujah. So many Christians will proclaim their need back to God. And that's not wrong, but in my opinion, it's a waste of a lot of time, his and yours. Because over and over again, you're telling him your need when he already knows your need. Okay? He knows all things. But what he wants to know is, do I know the answer to my need? Do I know the promise that will affect my need? And do I believe it? And then I have to uh, get it to work on my behalf. I pray the promise. Hallelujah. <clears throat> what happens is we get discouraged um, a lot of times in a couple of weeks uh, one time I went overseas, I had a torn meniscus in my right knee. This was two years ago. And I hobbled over there, and we saw all kinds of healings. God do all kinds of things. I mean, including, including a deaf mute boy, 19, healed. This kind of stuff. And I'm still hobbling around. The last meeting we had, there was 20 people healed of different things. And I hobbled out of there like this. And I'm on a plane coming home. And I'm whining to God about all these people that he healed. And I'm still hobbling around. He doesn't bother with that kind of stuff. So he just let me whine. But when I got home, I still confessed the word of God. I had the elders pray for me here. And I was home maybe two or three weeks. You all heard my testimony. It didn't get any better. So I went to the doctor, and they did an x-ray, didn't show anything. So I had to go get an MRI done, and that showed that I had a torn meniscus. 
And it really hurt, especially going down steps. So he, he says, I'll give you the name of the specialist. Um, and what he wanted to send me to him, I said, just give me his name, I'll call him if I need him, because we were praying. The elders had prayed for me too. Anyway, nothing happened. So um, in a couple of weeks, I, I called him. Well, before I was going to call him, they called me. And they said, you need to come in. Apparently, the two doctors talked. They know each other. Some doctors will only talk to doctors, you know. So anyway, uh, I went in to see this specialist. I don't know, $50 copay or something, 35 I can't remember. He takes me in this cold room. He comes in. He's waving my MRI. He says, I see you have a torn meniscus, and I can give you a cortisone shot. And this is a very simple operation. We drill a couple holes, and he's telling me all about it. And he says, uh, what's your pain level? I says, I don't have any pain. God had healed me three days before that. I just woke up in the morning, and it was gone. I've been hobbling around for almost three months. But I was saying the right things and believing for my healing. And sometimes you have to do that, and your faith is built as you do that. But as soon as he sees it in your heart, it's done. The title deed, I had ownership to that thing. And so, boom, I woke up in the morning, it was gone. Well, I already had this appointment scheduled. So I went in there, I thought, it's worth $35 or 50 whatever I paid to witness to the doctor. So I went in there, so he comes in with the MRI and all that, and I says, I don't have any pain. He says, what do you mean you don't have any pain? I can see it right here. I says, well, God healed it. He says, so you think God healed you? I says, yeah. And he puts his hands up like this. He says, you don't have any pain. I says, no, sir. So I thought, here comes 101 reasons why this can't happen. He says, okay, you don't have any pain, and God has healed you. He says, come with me. So I turn around, I follow him up to the front. He told the girl at the front, he says, give this man his money back. Um, I didn't do anything for him, and I'm not going to charge him anything. How many people get money back from a specialist? <laughs> That's as big a miracle as the knee getting fixed, amen? <laughs> yeah, it just was. So God can do these things if we just hang in there. You know, I just want everything to happen like that. You know, I'm kind of an evangelistic type guy. I want everything to happen. I want to see instant this and instant that. It doesn't always work that way. And so we have to be faithful in doing that. So if, uh, if we're out of a job or we're having something go wrong in that area uh, or if we're healing, uh, it's not wrong to tell God about it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he already knows. And I suggest that a better proclamation uh, would be to pray the promise, which is found in Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4, chapter 19. These are all familiar scriptures. <clears throat> and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So if I needed rent money by $1,000 by the 15th of the month and I didn't have any money, what I need to do is just continue to pray and stand on the word of God. Continue to confess this, this word. Um, your proclamation hmm, 
of the living, active, effective word of life into your problem as a member and joint heir of the royal family carries a lot of weight. This is the point I'm trying to make today, probably the single most important thing. We need to realize that what we say is so important as a member of the royal family. So pray the promise, pray the word, not the worry, not the problem. Back into your situation, because what you say as a royal member of the family carries weight. You know, you see about Britain, whenever they do something or say something, they're all on the front page. Well, you're a member of a much higher royal family. The king of kings is your older brother, your redeemer, your savior, your healer, your all in all. And so what you say is so important. So what if I'm sick, Brother Warren? What do you want me to say that I'm not sick? No, I didn't say that. If you're sick, this is a suggestion, okay, a recommendation. Uh, what I like to say if I'm sick, and I'm a big baby, I get sick like everybody else. Um, when I'm sick, just leave me alone, kind of a thing. And <laughs> when I'm sick and, and people ask, talk to me about it, I always say I'm coming down with a healing. I think that's a good thing to say. I'm coming down with a healing, opposed to I have 101 fever and I'm chilly and I ache all over and all this kind of stuff. Those things would all be true. But you're reinforcing the problem when you continually confess that. But when you say you're coming down with the healing and you quote um, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 or 1 Peter 2, 24 or something like that back into your situation. The first time I got healed in 1980, I had head, um, my head was packed with sinus stuff. And they, you know, I went everywhere except to God. I went to doctors, they gave me antibiotics, it didn't do anything for it. It was all packed in there. They couldn't loosen it up. Somebody said, go to a um, chiropractor and get your head spun around and that will loosen it up and it'll drain out. And that explains a few things to some of you, yeah. So I went to the chiropractor and he did his thing and that didn't do any good. So I finally went to God. And he didn't, and I mean, I couldn't sleep at night. I was laying on a couch because I'd keep Anita awake. And so I'd walk around with this, with my Bible, and I'd quote 1 Peter 2.24 for hours back and forth. I'd tried everything else, and nothing worked. And you know what God said to me? He said, how would you feel? How would you feel, son, if your son was sick and he went to everybody else first, and then he came to me? That's what I did. I went to everybody else to try to get fixed before I went to God. And I was a Christian. I was growing and learning, but a young Christian, but still. I'd been a Christian for five years. I should have known something. I knew enough that his word worked, and I just kept saying the word, and it built faith within me. And we had a Wednesday night service at the Lutheran church I went to. And he had a time for testimonies. And my head is still throbbing. Boom, boom, boom. It felt like there was a big band around it, a steel band. And, of course, the enemy just increased that. 
as I went up to get in line to give a testimony. God told me to do, give, give a testimony. I says, I can, it still hurts. He says, do you believe you're healed or don't you? I says, yes, sir, I believe it. He says, give your testimony. So I went up and I gave my testimony and my head is hammering. And it's not hypocritical. That's what I told God. This is hypocritical. He says, and it's not if you believe me. If you believe you're healed, it doesn't matter what your five senses are telling you. Amen? And so I gave the testimony even though my head was hammering. And I went home that night and went to bed and slept in my own bed for a change. And I woke up in the morning and it was all gone. I didn't cough anything up. Uh, I didn't blow anything out. You know, I don't know what happened. Everything was dissolved. My head was clear. I don't know how he does these things. But the fact is that it was, he was, I was healed because I was obedient to God. And I was believing his word. He, I says, I can't go up there. He says, you've been telling me that every night, all night, that you're healed. I says, yes, sir, I am. He says, go tell them. So I told the congregation that, and the next morning it was gone. To this day, I don't know how he did that, what happened. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we stick with the word of God. So when you're sick, instead of enforcing the symptoms, of, you know, the 101 fever and the chills and everything, uh, confess that you're coming down with the healing and pray scriptures like Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. <clears throat> Surely he has bore our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. His chastisement for our peace was by, and by his stripes we are healed. That was Isaiah prophesying. You agree with the word of God, not your five senses. See, your body says you're sick. That's what my problem was. My body was saying I was sick. I mean, I was so bad I couldn't, couldn't even open my eyes all the way. I'd go to work, do my job. I didn't talk to anybody. This went on for 30 days before I got my healing. And so your body says you're sick. The word says that you're healed. So you have the final vote. If you agree with your symptoms, you will stay sick. I guarantee it. If you agree with the word of God, you will be healed. I guarantee it. Or Jesus guarantees it. Not maybe not instantly. It took me 30 days that time. It took me three months for my knee. You know, there isn't anything he can't do if we just believe him a little bit in our heart, in the mind of our heart. We can begin to see ourselves well. You know, if I can get somebody to see themselves well, they'll be healed. It's the image. And words create that. So what we say is so important as a royal member of his family. Very, very important. See, you're proclaiming the living word of God that's alive and active and effective into your problem. And First Peter 2.24 is the one that I got healed on that the testimony I just gave you. <clears throat> Who 
himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That's past tense. We were healed. Now, Jesus did some teaching on this. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, Let me just say this. Uh, In light of those testimonies I gave you and the word of God here, our response, our response to an undesirable situation, your response and my response to an undesirable situation will determine how long we're in that situation. Our response to an undesirable situation, no matter what it is, shortage of money, healing, whatever it is, will determine how long we're in that situation. Okay? Took us nine months to get a house. Took almost three months for my torn meniscus. It took a month for that other thing, with the congestion up here. So those are just some of the major things in my life where I've seen the Word work. So we need to know what the Word says. It doesn't mean that we need to know uh, uh, the whole Bible, but you need to know where to find it if you don't know what it is. Amen? And it's, it's, it's not just knowing the Word in our intellect, but it's putting it down in the mind of our heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you have to have it in your heart if you want um, faith to come out of your mouth when you speak it. That's where it comes from. Believe the word in your heart and you can proclaim it. Because everything in the kingdom is done by faith. It's the currency of the kingdom. That's how things are done. And he designed it that way and then by grace gave us a measure of his own faith to operate on. And then we're stewards of that. Now I said Jesus was, uh, did some teaching on this and we want to look at that. This is his teaching and it's in Mark 11, 22 and 24. Very famous scripture. So Mark 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. We're going to unpack this. This It's going to take a few minutes. And that could be translated, have the faith of God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, anytime he says assuredly, he's talking about, I want you to get this. Listen up. Listen closely. I say to you, whoever... Okay, whoever includes, wait a minute, that includes all of us, doesn't it? Whoever. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, the mountain is an insurmountable problem in your life, like not having a house. I couldn't manufacture one. I don't know how to build one, etc., Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt in his heart. That's what God deals with. Not in his head, but does not doubt in his heart. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 
So those are strong, powerful words. So you mean I can have what I say? Now people have taken this scripture. There's a name it and claim it crowd. You've all heard of them. There's also the blab it and grab it bunch. They just say something and expect they're going to have it. You can't go around just saying crazy stuff and expect God to do it. It don't work that way. Even as a member of the royal family, it won't work if you don't have it in your heart. For surely, I want you to get this, I say to you, whoever, that's you and I, says to this mountain, see, everything has to do with saying, releasing our faith. That's how we got saved. We repented of our sin. We received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's something about saying. Hallelujah. Proclaiming it. Says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Does not doubt in his heart. That's the key. That's why Jesus was so successful. He didn't have any doubt in his heart whatsoever. Because he saw the Father doing it or heard him talk to him about it. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. If you have no doubt, nothing is impossible to you as a member of the royal family. Nothing is impossible. He will back you up because you're doing what he said to do. If we do it God's way, we get God's results. Believe me, I've tried to do it Warren's way many times. It don't work. Warren's way falls way short. God's way, you get his results every time. Every time. The thing is, they don't come when you want them to, in my case at least. I want everything to happen like that. I wanted a house the next week, and it took nine months. So it was a good test for us. So verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Okay, right there. When you ask, you have to believe that you've received what you're praying for. That's why I could thank him every day for the house, because I believed that we had one, even though I could not see it, even though every day there was a disappointment, it didn't make any difference. Do you understand what I'm saying? You believe you receive it when you pray for it. Because it's in, the, it's in the spirit realm. Everything we'll ever need is in the spirit realm. Already provided. And we acquire it with the faith that he gave us. It's just the way he designed it. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe. That's present tense. You believe when you pray that you receive it. That you receive them and you will have them future tense. That's future tense. So you have to believe you receive it, or what we do is we pray and we believe we're going to receive it. That's a mistake. That's what I did for years, and I got nowhere, absolutely nowhere. You can't believe that you're going to receive it. You have to believe that you've received it now when you pray, and continue to believe that, and continue to believe it until you see the manifestation of it. I hope you're getting this. So this is Jesus' teaching on it. When he says this shortly, he's talking about firmly, so be it, kind of amen type of thing. 
in saying is just proclaiming, announcing to an insurmountable problem, the mountain. Now, Jesus has authorized us to do this. This is his teaching on it. He's authorized us to do that. This can't be done without him. All we need to do is believe the word that he's given us in our heart, in the mind of our heart, release our faith by professing it, the promise, something that's related to it, and you'll have it. He's authorized us. Now there's some qualifiers, some things that have to happen. And we already talked about the main one, you can't have any doubt in your heart. Because that's where the proclamation comes from. And you can have a doubt in your head. Like when we were looking for a house, I had a couple of times I did, uh, is this going to happen this month? Or is it going to be, you know, whenever? You must believe in your heart that it's done when you pray, present tense. What you proclaim will be done then. So that brings up the question of how long do I proclaim this? With our house, it was nine months. <laughs> so you could probably have done that in two months. I don't know. But how long do you proclaim it? How long do you keep doing that? You know, some people have had sicknesses for a long time. We've got that in our own family. You just have to keep doing it. The word is true. You just have to keep doing it. Um, I heard an illustration one time. A guy said to push. P, um, proclaim. U, until. S, you see. H, happen. Proclaim until you see it happen. And so, you know, Anita and I are still proclaiming her healing. It's been 57 years. Does that make the word of God untrue? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You just have to stay with it. Stay with it. The key, let me leave you with this. You know, just name it and claim it and all that stuff. Uh, we all know that that's a bunch of hooey. You just can't go around saying crazy stuff. But when you're, when you're praying something for a need, you know, he's, he's already taken care of all those needs in the spirit realm. And it's just a matter of sticking with the word of God. However, here, Jesus clearly teaches us the importance of what we say. Uh, proclaiming, announcing um, in these passages of Scripture right here. It's just really important. Especially when you realize that you're a member of the royal family. You are somebody. You've been adopted in his family. You're a joint heir with Jesus. He's your older brother. 
you know, your Lord and Savior, your Redeemer, all those things, your Savior, your healer, but he's also your older brother. You're part of the family. You're a joint heir with him. And so the things you say are very, very important. The key to this whole thing is to prepare your heart because God goes right past this thing and down into the mind of your heart and to see what you're believing in your spirit. What do you believe in there? And then uh, if you meditate the word down in there and there's belief in there, he sees that title deed in there, um, then with faith you can proclaim the word of God into your problem and you can expect his results. Amen? It's just not rocket science, but it's just a matter of um, discipline. And I'm not sure how to get myself to... I enjoy reading the Word, but I don't do much meditating on it. That's something that I need to increase in my life. And I would guess that many of you are in the same boat. You don't meditate much. Because if you meditate the Word in there, and when a, a situation arises, like sickness or whatever the case might be, you, you're prepared for it. You don't have to try to get ready you know, that will just take longer. You're already ready for this situation, an undesirable situation, and you can just deal with it. And that's why we need the body of Christ. You know, I show, uh, sure appreciated the elders' prayers for me uh, when I came back from overseas two years ago. Um, that was, you know, uh, encouragement to me. And those prayers and, and, and all those confessions and things that I made and even putting up with my whining on the airplane, all those things, God just graciously healed me overnight. It was just wonderful. So <clears throat> as the worship team comes, why don't you stand to your feet? And we're going to make a couple of, of uh, proclamations this morning. And then we'll worship our God. Amen. So if you've got your Bible with you, take your Bible in your hand. We're going to do a Joel Osteen thing here. If you got your Bible with you this morning, just repeat after me. I am who the Bible says I am. I can do what the Bible says I can do. And I can have what the Bible says I can have. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's worship our Lord.